0: In the years following the COVID 19 pandemic, we heard a lot about how many Americans changed careers, left their jobs, or just reassessed what work in general meant to them. There was the great resignation, quiet quitting, finding work life balance, and so on and so forth. Many of us just couldn't see ourselves sticking with whatever gig or situation we were in to get a paycheck. Maybe with the amount of loss that took place during the pandemic, certain things in life seemed more fleeting. So when I recently heard about a local barber in this barber shop making 50 years of hair cutting, their longevity really popped out at me. How do you prefer to be referred to? Like, do you prefer to be called a barber or hairstylist?
1: Cut hair, men, women, and children. I can style hair and just cut hair, makes no difference.
0: When you consider that marriages in the US last on average just over eight years, he's more than stood the test of time. Frankly, he's been cutting hair longer than many of us have been alive. So I decided to head to the barbershop to see how this man has stayed committed to a craft for more than half a century.
1: My name is Sherwood Parker, owner of Parker's Hairstyling and Barbershop.
0: Starting with his name, Sherwood Parker is a memorable guy. Then there's his hairstyle, which I think is fabulous, but he is a barber after all. I gotta say, your your hair is very specific, like... You know, you got a healthy head of hair, Mm -hmm. it's styled, like, Mm -hmm. how would you describe your hair? I mean, obviously, people can't see you right now. How would you describe your hair?
1: I just have, I mean, just just a regular cut, it's not short, it's just clean cut, that's all. Clean Businessman haircut. To be
0: fair, I think you're underselling it. I haven't seen somebody with, my dad had your hair. My dad used Burrell cream, he had a healthy head of hair, he would style it similar to you, but he parted it and went up. Right. I haven't seen this type of hair in a long time. My my father's passed, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's a throwback.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. It's just basic. It's just a basic uh, haircut, um, basic comb back, whichever you can cover up the receding hairlines and bald spots and all.
0: I had to get a second opinion about Parker's hair, so I asked Haley Mouton. She's a hairstylist at the shop and sometimes cuts his hair. Okay. He said that's a regular haircut, mm-hmm. and I think he's underselling it because I, I don't see many haircuts. My father sort of had hair like him. Uh, how would you describe Mr. Parker's hair?
2: A regular haircut. Really? Usually, like, why is that a regular just, haircut? That doesn't look regular. It's usually just like a um, you know, comb-backed, cleaned-up kind of haircut. You know you don't cut too much. He gets it cut so often, so you really just got to clean it up for what him. And, I
0: mean, it's stylish. I, I feel like yeah. we are underselling his hair when we're calling it regular
2: every haircut is um, unique to every head because every head is different so a regular haircut for everyone is different you Absolutely. know yeah you but yeah it's basically just a cleanup. you know it's
0: just like me to come in here and say like that's not a regular haircut and <laughs> you know dispute the professionals as, as they're saying that yeah. it's
2: a haircut yeah and then it's all about how you style it too
0: well I'm, can you give me this I mean it, it's a very stylish head of hair mm-hmm. and I, and I think that there's not many heads of hair that I see like that are like that.
2: Yeah, he cuz he uh, blow dries it and styles it every day, so it's, it's styled to him, you know. Some people would call it like a pompadour, I guess, but it's not so extreme.
0: I mean, it's it's sort of gangsterish, I think. Like <laughs> it. It's like 50s gangster to me, but uh, in in the proper way. Yeah. I'm Tan Trung, and I admit I may be obsessing over Mr. Parker's hair, but it's relevant because this week's episode of the Tan Report is all about hair, commitment, and a barber who's been called on to save lives. And I don't mean figuratively. There was a time that Sherwood Parker has physically gone to rescue people. I've seen everything. You name it, I've seen it. Limbs gone, death, burned victims. We'll get to that a bit later. But first, let's go back to September 1973, when Parker's Hairstyling and Barbershop opened in Terrytown, Louisiana. It's on the West Bank of the Mississippi River, just a short drive across the Crescent City Connection Bridge from New Orleans. Some locals, especially the ones living on the West Bank, refer to it as the best bank. Parker calls this side of the river home. He has roots here. I was born on
1: Hancock Street in Gretna. Okay. Dad died when I was five years old. My mom had four of us we moved to the St. Thomas Project.
0: And so started, you're on the West Bank and then you moved to the East Bank?
1: Yes, in the in, in Irish Channel. And I grew up and went to grade school there and in Redemptors High School. And I was just, my mom raises four of us and she had to go to work. She never worked before in her life and it was a great place growing up, it really was. We had Kingsley House, we had everything there. You know, We had nothing but we didn't know we had nothing. It was just, we had love there and it was just, so much fun it really was. I Have no regrets.
0: The city was a different place at that point, huh? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The project wasn't bad or anything like that. You know.
0: What do you remember of New Orleans from that time, from from your childhood? Because oh,
1: Mardi Gras. Oh. Yeah. Uh, we used to, as a kid, we used to chase the floats all the way to the Auditorium. You know, just to get a few trinkets here and there. We loved. I loved the parade. Played in a band in high school. Loved marching in the band. Love the parades.
0: As much as he loved parades and New Orleans, he found another love on the West Bank.
1: I married a girl from the West Bank, and we decided to move over here. Mm-hmm.
0: Kind of going back to your roots, though. I mean, you were born in Gretna. That's right. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's still the best bank for you, then, the West Bank?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I believe so.
0: Parker eventually got married and started work, which early on had nothing to do with hair.
1: As a young man coming out of high school and then I never went to college. Uh, I used to work for West, West Virginia Pulp and Paper Company on Annunciation Street in New Orleans making a buck 44 an hour. What I, were you doing there? Uh, in a print shop or making gotcha sugar bags and stuff like that.
0: You did everything then?
1: Everything. Everything. And It was tough and I seen the future in that, you know, I wasn't going to be going to you know to anywhere. So and my wife's cousin you know, just approached me and said, why don't you go become a barber? So I decided two weeks later to go become a barber. How Went to barber old, how school. How old were you then? How old was I? I was uh, 22.
0: Before becoming an actual barber, Parker needed to learn the ropes. So it was back to school for him. New Orleans Barber and Beauty College, right on top of the Lowest
1: State Theater on Rampart and Canal Street, right across from the Sanger. You had to put in 2,000 hours of, you know, you had uh, schooling, book learning. We had to learn everything from the head up, all the bones, the muscles, the nerves of the head. We had to know all that, especially if you give in a face sh- a shave or a massage or, you know, the, the points where you can relieve pain and such. Yes, all that.
0: That sounds like almost medical school or almost massage therapy school too. I Yeah,
1: well, yeah we, had to, we had to go to school, uh, to classroom work every day.
0: Parker and the other students at the college had to find people so they could practice haircutting. Volunteers were never too far away.
1: The customers we had, we had people that was unfortunate, they couldn't afford, so we would take people off the street, they would line up.
0: Do you remember your first haircut, like the first person you ever cut hair on?
1: I do remember one of my first haircuts and I was so proud of it, the taper. But what happened was when I tapered it evidently his head was on a on a, on a lean okay and when he got up cause we had like 40 chairs in the whole place. when he got up to leave, that taper was on an angle <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny and that that was my first true taper yeah.
0: Well, if he kept his head tilted at a certain angle That's it. Then That's it'll be right. straight right,
1: just like if you cut somebody's sideburn higher or lower, don't look straight at the person, turn your head left or right. they'll never know.
0: what do you think was the hardest thing to learn about cutting hair for a person who did not cut hair before i mean you you had no really knowledge of cutting hair before that yeah, right? it was it was
1: just training training, and one of the you know toughest things is was To shave somebody with a straight razor.
0: That sounds nerve wracking.
1: Yes, yes. Years ago, to shave somebody, you know, and they they don't have any teeth in their mouth, you had to put your finger in there and pull that, you know, oh yeah, years ago, many years ago.
0: Wait, explain that to me. Like, why would you put your finger in there? Well, because one
1: of the professors in, in barber school, he says, he showed us, he said, look, Because a lot of those people are poor and and alcoholics and so forth and so on. And this is what happens if your lip is, you know, in there and you got hair there. So you have to put your finger in there and pull that lip out and shave it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's all in a day's
0: work. Soon after he graduated barber college, Parker's professional career began.
1: September 67, my first job was Oakwood Barbershop in Oakwood shopping center. I think the shopping center just had opened up not that long.
0: That's on the West Bank right next to, to the bridge, right? Correct.
1: Yeah. And then the January of 68, of, uh, I moved to a Ye old barber Shop. Barbershop. Ye
0: Yeo Ye old barber
1: Shop. Barbershop. Okay. And I stayed there till 73, three months before I opened up and I went in business for myself.
0: For some perspective, Richard Nixon was still in the White House in 1973. The average price of gas was around 40 cents per gallon, and Sherwood Parker was in year one of business. As the decades passed by, he saw American life and hairstyles change. It came
1: around and went around, and it's coming back again. You know, When I first came in here, it was you know, short haircuts, military haircuts. Then the Beatles came in, the Beatles came in, the hair was longer. We had to learn how to cut hair again, differently. And then uh, I think it was maybe the 80s and or the 90s when uh, um, the wedge came in.
0: As a young Asian boy growing up in the 80s, there was one hairstyle I knew pretty well.
1: With the bowl cut it looked like, couldn't handle that. It was, we did it, but because you had to make a living to do it, you had to change. And again now we're back to regular haircuts, a lot of military haircuts.
0: Like almost everything in this world, the barber and hairstyling industry evolved. A corporate element seeped in. Starting as early as 1975, franchises like Supercuts were established. They started to pop up across the U.S. More recently, there's been a movement in which a visit to the barbershop isn't just to get your hair cut, but to get what we could call an experience. A Kansas City-based chain called Scissors & Scotch offers customers drinks and access to a lounge or a bar after their haircut. They don't even describe it as a haircut. They call it a grooming experience and even offer memberships. Back at his barbershop in Terrytown, Parker says he misses the days of people going to local mom-and-pop barbers and salons. In his 50-plus years in the biz, Parker has stayed consistent in what he offers—haircuts and straight razor shaves. But the prices have had to adapt to the times, but it's still very affordable.
1: When I first got out, uh, into cutting hair at Oakwood Barbershop, haircuts were $2 a head, okay? I remember I held on a check I had that had bounced. It was $2.25. I kept that check just for the fun of it in my drawer for about 20 years. Then Wait, I finally got rid of it. You
0: $2 in your bank account?
1: Yes, they never had $2.25. Now we charge like $20 a haircut. You know, it's a little bit. And we're one of the cheapest ones. I was going to say, is. that's very affordable. We wanted a cheaper one. The black barbers charge a lot more. You know, but yeah, and, and it, it is what it is.
0: Well, everything's gone up. But I mean, again, I mean, $20 is, is very, $22 or $20? $20. 20 Very reasonable. Absolutely. Then I only charge $22 for a shave, a face
1: shave. That's a steal. You go on Magazine Street and they, they want to charge you like $50 for a, same thing I give. Two hot towels in the beginning, shave, hot towels at the end
0: why do you think that, that dropped off why do you think that faded over the years
1: because it's so easy with the with the blades they have out today the razors it's so simple and those days you had those twin double edged blades and you had to be really really careful because you'd cut your and it's just so relaxing you know but uh, uh, the blades today you you got those oh, what was it the uh, gillette the far blades you can push down you can go against the grain and no razor burns. But some of them, you don't know what you're doing, you're going to burn somebody's face. Oh, yeah.
0: So do you think that because the, I guess, the home shaving blades got so much easier, people were just doing it at home? Right,
1: then? and then they're trying to be conservative. You know, they could save a buck here, a buck there. And they were trying to raise a family, so that's what it's all about.
0: Do you still enjoy doing that? Is that? I love doing it.
1: I still doing that, yes. I'm one of the, I don't know too many barbers around here that does it. Because I get people sent to me all the time. You know, it's just, I don't want to lose that. That's an art. That is especially an art other than cutting it. Pretty much anybody can cut hair in a sense, you know, but not everybody can shave.
0: I'll defer to you, but I don't know. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've had some bad barbers, you know, no disrespect to, hey, you know, I don't think anybody can cut hair. It's an art to well, me. It is,
1: it is. A lot of them just go through the motions, really. Don't give a haircut like you want. I've heard stories where people went on vacation and they went in this little mom and pop uh, barbershop and tell the barber a lot, I'm on vacation, I just want a light trim. So when the barber turns the guy around and shows him, he says, you know, said, I said, I thought I wanted a uh, trim. He cut all his hair off on the sides and everything. The guy says, the barber says, yeah, but it looks better this way. I mean, who's him, you know, to say that, you know? I've always thought that, you know, I have to try and give you exactly what you want. Like and the communi- customer's always right. And the communication was the most important thing in any business.
0: I think haircuts are one of those things in life that it can really make or break you in terms of, like, <laughs> a good experience.
1: Well, I can tell you this. We asked about uh, that about in barber school, and they told us this. You know, it's a difference... Between a good and a bad haircut? Two weeks. Time for it to grow out. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. But it's true though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
0: I, and that's the thing. Like I, I've moved to different cities where the first thing I always find is a place to get my haircut. My hair grows very fast. I on average I, I have to get a haircut between two to three weeks. Like past three weeks it's getting a little long. It's getting long right now.
1: Right. huh.
0: And that's the most difficult part for me is finding the right barber that knows how to cut my hair. And I have Asian hair, so you know. I mean, it, it can be particular. And I've had some bad haircuts. And, boy, I'll tell you, it makes everything worse when you have a bad haircut.
1: I've been so fortunate. I have people, I have people coming from uh, Diamond Head, the North Shore. I have a little, little guy, 10 years old. His mom calls me, to make sure I'm here and working that day because I'm the only one that could cut his hair. She brings him over here from the North Shore and drives straight back after I cut his hair.
0: I understand. You know, and, and I understand. I've gone. I've traveled a long way to get a good people haircut.
1: with, you know, like a dentist or a regular doctor. But man, that's you know, I feel for- very fortunate.
0: With more than 50 years of hair cutting under his belt. I asked Parker if he had a ballpark estimate on how many haircuts he's done. He didn't. I asked him how much hair he thinks he's swept off the floor. A lot, he said. And then I asked him what kind of hair is the most difficult or complicated to cut. To you, what's the toughest type of hair? Is it you know, African-American hair, is it Asian hair, is it white people hair? What is it?
1: I would say Asian is up there. You got to. I can you, understand because you have to blend that in and make sure it blends in, because their hair don't lay down as easy as everybody else's.
0: And mine comes in thick, so if you if you don't get it right, it it'll grow out in a different way and it'll stick out. Right,
1: right, right. That's a, yeah. That to me, that's maybe maybe one of the tougher ones. You
0: know? Well, I'll have to apologize that my people have made your career a little bit harder.
1: That's okay. That's all right. You know, sometimes these military haircuts, especially somebody with dark, dark hair and they have a white scalp and they want it high, high and tight, you got to work at it. You really do.
0: If you've spent decades doing something, it's safe to assume you're dedicated to it. Sometimes that dedication may be out of love for that thing, or maybe it could be out of obligation, like sticking with a job so you can earn a living. Parker's commitment to haircutting seems clear. But what's not so apparent, if you don't know him, is the other career he's had, almost as long as he's had the barbershop.
1: I joined the volunteer fire department in Terrytown in 1974.
0: So that was a year after you opened the barbershop here. Yes.
1: I I was cutting customers from the fire department. And they said, Parker, why don't you join the fire department? We need help. I said, oh, guys, man, I'm standing on my feet all day and blah, 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 you know. So they came back a couple weeks later. Hey, we got something for you. What? On your day off on Monday, you can join the fire inspections, okay? Fire prevention. Hey, that's a great idea. So I said, okay, I'll do it. So in the meantime, I had to go to training, okay? Rookie training and all that stuff. And they knew once I got finished, because they said, Parker, you ready to go into fire prevention? I said, no, sir. I want to get on the back of that truck. I want to be a fireman. I I want to get in there and save life and property.
0: For nearly 50 years... Parker has been part of the Terrytown Volunteer Fire Department in one way or another. In his younger days, Parker would respond to emergency calls. And those emergencies didn't care if Parker had someone in his barber chair. As you were running this barbershop and then being part of the, the volunteer fire department for Terrytown, yes. like did you have to get called away from here? Did you have to like, leave this place to go answer emergency calls?
1: Well, we all had pages, okay? And it beeped out all the problems you had, what's going on at the time. And at the time, we were mainly all volunteer, okay? So you had to respond when you need to be. And I've had people oh, many, many times in my chair, you know, wait or the guy across the hall from me or in the shop, finish the haircut. When the working fire, flames visible, you got to go. So I did many, many times. A couple of them came with me. Because they were volunteers, too, from another department. and said, let's go, guys. And we went, you know. Oh, I've left many times.
0: Andy's been on many scenes.
1: Before I became a volunteer, you know, I wasn't too fond of going to seeing blood and all kind of stuff like that. Not too many people are. But after I, I got my training, I couldn't get there fast enough. Because in my mind, and that's what they was putting in our minds, to save life and property. You know, you just think of if it's your own kid or if it's your own mother or, you know, or somebody related to you that's in that vehicle that you got to get them out. You got to help them. You got to do CPR.
0: But in the line of rescue work, there's never a guarantee that every life will be saved. There was one accident in the late 70s that still sticks with Parker.
1: One of my times that uh, I was really sad, we had an accident on Terry Parkway and Holmes Boulevard. And it was a little truck. Not too far from here. No. And it was on fire and had two guys inside of it. And we couldn't get them out. The shift was through one leg and the flames were so hot, they burned to death. That was about 2 o'clock in the morning. And by the time we get home, because we had to wash the truck and wipe it down so forth and so on. So I go sit on my wife's side of the bed at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I just started bawling. I couldn't I'm thinking of it today, I really am. And I, you know, it's just sad. We we couldn't help those two people. You know, they died in front of us, you know. So that's that's the thing that really stuck with me forever. And it will always, you know, and it's, it is what it is. But it was, it was good times that we did help people. We did do CPR and, you know, they survived. And we got them out of the burning cars and such before that, you know, so but it's, it's been very rewarding to me. It's just so many people thank you and thank you and thank you, and it just goes to your heart, really.
0: Parker isn't riding on the back of the fire trucks anymore, but he is still with the volunteer fire department in Terrytown on the administrative side of the operation. Staying busy has just been part of his life.
1: I guess, I guess I'm just a hustler, that's all. I've worked hard. I mean, I used to shine shoes when I was 11 years old on magazine in Josephine Street as a kid. Had my own little shoe on kit.
0: What didn't you do?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I had a paper out at twelve years old. Yeah. I've done everything. You know, and that's that's how I was brought up. To you can't make it one way, you're gonna make it a way. It takes two jobs, do the two jobs. And that's the only way, you know, you worthwhile achieving anything or to get anything. You gotta do what you gotta do.
0: That philosophy has guided Parker to the golden anniversary of his barbershop.
1: It went by fast. It really did. And I'm just so fortunate to have my health to be able to do it.
0: And he's done it one customer at a time. Customer service is something that Parker takes very seriously.
1: When I have somebody that I've been cutting their hair, and they get down, sick, they can't come here, they're in a home, they're in their bed at the home, at their house, and they need a haircut. And they'll call me and I'll go do it. And I won't accept anything for it. I don't, you know, when somebody's down like that, I don't care if they got all the money in the world. It's just that, and I, I tell them, oh, I'll send you a bill. I never send them a bill. I, you know, I just, you know, I can't do that. And that's my thank you for all the years that I've cut their hair, them doing business with me.
0: Doing business is a two-way street. In the middle of our interview, Parker was told he had a walk-in. You got a customer. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool! Do you think I can you're there you can record some some of that? Too? Sure. Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's check it out. I appreciate
1: it. Okay, okay.
0: This particular customer has been getting his haircut by Parker for some time now. Twenty years on and off.
1: I'm giving him a, sh- a very short, military-type flat top, high and tight.
0: He says Parker consistently delivers a good haircut.
2: Automatic. This-
0: yeah, he, he never said a word to me today. <laughs> I man after my own heart. I'm a man of few words when I sit down at my barber shop. There too.
2: He knows what to do, how to do it, and and does it right each and every time.
0: Can I ask you, what, before you found Mr. Parker, like did you have a lot of bad haircut experiences, like to find the right barber?
2: Several, several in the past. Yes.
1: <laughs> he didn't tell me anything today because I've been cutting this hair for a while, so I know exactly what he wants. If if anything, sometimes
0: I don't cut it short enough. Uh i got to go back and cut it a little bit shorter. Right, sir? Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) On the other side of the shop, Haley Mouton, who we heard from earlier, was in between clients. She's been at the shop for about seven years now, a drop in the bucket compared to how long Parker has been going. He's been doing this for more than... 50 years
2: now. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: How long do you think you can last in this? Do you, do you want to go that long?
2: I don't think I'll last that long. I don't know. I guess it's all up to my body. I mean, I take Whoever's got to take care of their bodies because on our feet all day and lifting up our arms all day.
0: Do you ever contemplate retirement from here? I hate to ask you that. No.
1: No. No. Uh, I'm just going gonna, gonna to be like Roy Rogers. Happy trails to you. Just right off in the sunset. Uh, don't know when. Hopefully it's a long time from now.
0: And there's 50 years worth of customers who would probably hope for the same. On the West Bank, I'm Ton Trung for WWL Radio.